From the studios of 991 The Halls, two guys who can palm a basketball but can't pick up a check, it's the KY Sports Guy. <laughs> this is why we can't go out to eat together at the same place, right? <laughs> End up washing dishes or something. Unless it's a place where the basketballs are, you can palm a basketball for, to pay uh for the check, yeah. Entertainment value. Uh, Coach Jared, along with the main man, the stock, Tony. How you doing? Doing great. We got a little bit of late start with the computer issue, but we're yeah. going now. We got a call coming in. I think it's our guest. So right. Let's go ahead and pick up. You're on live at the KY Sports, guys. Hey, good evening, fellas. How you doing? Stock, Tony. Coach, how are you tonight? Doing great, man. How are you? Very well. Thank, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to running my mouth. Hey, that's why we asked you on. It's uh, at Clayton Truder. Clayton, thank you again. Uh, Friend of the show, been on several times. We always look forward to it. We have a lot uh, of new stuff to talk about tonight. So sports and and maybe some Great British Baking Show, you never know. Sports. (laughs) Great British Baking Show, for sure. Hey, Clayton, we got a little (laughs) bit of a late start with the computer malfunction of a bit. So we got to get our sponsors in real quickly, if you don't mind, then we'll get back with you, all right? Of course. Hang tight. Of course. Want to thank uh, Glass Tops Insurance. They've been proudly serving Edmonton and all of South Central Kentucky since 1938. As an independent agency, they have the ability to shop all of your insurance needs through numerous carriers to guarantee you get the best value for your hard-earned dollar. Contact Mark Lincoln or any of the Glass Thompson staff to take care of your home, auto, farm, life, or business insurance needs. Quote is simple and free. Call them up 270-432-3491. Located on West Stockton Street next to Pizza Hut. That's Glass Thompson Insurance. Brookshire Construction, new construction, remodeling barns, kitchens, and baths, roofs, decks. Steve Brookshire Jr. is the owner in the builder. It's 270-805-9177, Brookshire Construction. If you're looking for a trusted banking relationship, look no further than South Central Bank. For more than 50 years, our customers have received superior service, and we remain committed to that. We continue to build relationships that are making an impact in the community we call home. South Central Bank is proud to serve Metcalf County and a proud supporter of Metcalf County Athletics. We're small enough to know you, big enough to help. Contact Eddie Shirley today, loan officer of South Central Bank, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Kentucky Farm Bureau, Tarina Horton is your Metcalf County Farm Bureau agent. She can help you get the insurance coverage you need to fit your budget. 312 West Stockton Street, Edmonton, 270-432-3241, Kentucky Farm Bureau. I think I took your copy, by the way. I've got one you got circled. Okay. Uh, Edmonton Hometown Jewelers paying top price for your gold and silver. Beautiful jewelry at affordable prices. 903 West Stockton Street right here at Edmonton. Call them up. 270-432-4653. Old School Cafe, MC Shirt Shop, both on the campus of Medcalf County Schools. Whammy! Whammy! <laughs> Have you eaten a whammy sandwich since we cut that? Uh, I'm, I'm a bell ringer. A couple. I'm a yeah. bell ringer guy. Yeah, I thought I had a, I got to get a whammy sandwich. Need to get up there. Is that everybody? Sounds like it. Clayton, you still with us? Yeah, I sure am. All right, fantastic. Had to pay the bills. We've got a lot of sponsors. We appreciate every single one of them. Uh, obviously, Medkiff County Hornets Sports doing well. The Lady Hornets and the Hornets are in the finals of the district tournament. Thursday at 7 o'clock, it's the Lady Hornets. Yeah, and then Friday, it's the Hornets at 7. Both games, it's one game samplers. Not samplers, but it's a one game <laughs> Well, it is a sampler. Play, I do love a sampler. Play. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm thinking of food because I'm making the show. Um, but both games start at seven, so it's a bit, a bit of a late start for this. Normally, they start at six, seven tomorrow. But it'll be one game only. So, so Clayton, I have to ask, just hearing that, because uh, I do love a good sampler platter. Do you have a go-to appetizer when you go out, or or do you like the sampler platter? And if you do, what is it about the sampler platter that really 
Like this item has to be on the sampler platter. Hmm. Oh, I, I love sampler platters, okay. particularly at like chain restaurants. Yeah. You know, yeah. mozzarella sticks. Uh, yes. I love mozzarella sticks. I'll get my fingers all greasy, uh, ruining all the little uh, cheap napkins they have, uh, yep. wings, um, jalapeno poppers. Yes. I always end up with a bad stomach afterwards. <laughs> you know, there's something for everybody. It's something to collectively complain about after a couple yes. of years. I think they're great. There you go. Very good. So, Doc Tony, you know, I've done. The sampler platter is something that I think you get if you go out with a lot of people for me. Okay. So I don't know. You're talking about a go-to app at a restaurant. I yeah. like the potato skins and I know we cast those off early last Fast, week. See, I'm not a huge potato skin. Yeah. I like them. I'll eat them, but I don't love them. Well, they're not what Clayton ostensibly named. There was all deep fried, uh, pieces of cheese or something yeah. with batter, which is good. Look, you could, you can take that pen right now that I'm holding this pen and Deep fried cheese. We got to start video in the show. Yeah, it would taste great. <laughs> that's, that's true. What I thought is. Oh no, I, absolutely. Well, you wouldn't want to deep fry that pin because I believe that's a KY so, Sports Guys pin. It is. We need to send uh, Clayton. We need to send you a pin with the, the and sports a shirt guys. or something. Yeah, yeah, something. Hey, I do have another question. Uh, we're right in the heart of basketball season with high school sports, and obviously we we uh, do the play by play color commentary for Medcalf County High School sports. What what sport? in the Vermont, New England area, in the high school world, resonates the most? You know, just before you answer that, Clayton, I was thinking to ask you the very same thing about what the culture of high school sports is up there. So, yeah, just Coach Hurt's question, my question kind of work together. I presume that where I grew up in Vermont is not all that different than than, than your guys' county. Okay. High school basketball, even though there's not a lot of great players around here, around here is a tremendously big deal, particularly okay. in the small towns. It's something to do with the great get together in the in the in the winter time, mm-hmm. ten, twelve times a winter. People get it, find find a way to get out in the cold. Yeah. There there is rabid high school basketball support around here. Even though people might think like hockey or something. That was um, what I was it thinking. Is very yeah. much is very much high school basketball. I was thinking I mean, lacrosse. The possibly. funny thing about hockey is because lacrosse is it, it actually has taken a little longer to get going here mm. than some other places. I feel like further south, especially in the mid Atlantic states. It really got going big time. Then mm-hmm. in southern New England, it's finally journeyed up here. I, I think the thing with hockey is it's so expensive to play hockey yeah. that for a lot of kids, particularly in small towns, prices them out of playing hockey. Mm. And ice time is such a premium. There's like, I think there's in, in the biggest county in Vermont is called Chittenden County. It has like 200,000 people or something. It's hardly a sprawling metropolis. But there's like six high school teams that play at one rink there. Okay. So it's, it's very tough to get time to play. And it's, very expensive to build and keep a facility going. So unless you have a particularly affluent kind of suburban marketplace, I think it's a it's a tough sport to make a go of it. Basketball, I've always said basketball is the most democratic sport in the world. You need a hoop, you need a ball, and you need a handful of kids. You can play by yourself, you can play with five people. I think it's it's such a great game because of that. It just enables so many people the opportunity to, to participate in it. And certainly in rural Vermont, it is by far the number one most popular high school sport. Well, I want to give you a tip here. Hold on, Clayton. I got a survival tip of the week. Is is it all right? All right. So, what a song! <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, I, I'll, I thank you. I shouldn't say it's great. I, well, I wrote it and sang don't it. Be afraid. Don't be it. Don't be humble. And the real creepy, yeah, the end. I mean, it's all there. You Wait, could have been a jingle writer. Like that one? Do what? 
Yeah, that, these are all original. Burt Bacharach right that one? Yes, uh, Burt Bacharach. Bacharach. See, we'd be compared to John Pry and the Beatles. <laughs> now, Burt Bacharach. Uh, who just passed away right yeah, exactly. it. Yeah. Uh, that definitely sounds like a Burt Bacharach. Yeah, the Velvet Fog. Maybe. <laughs> yes, yes, Mel Torme exactly. performing. That would have been great. Uh, was that dude. not Harry's favorite uh, performer on Night Court? I think that's right. Yeah, Mel Torme. I think that's Big right. Big fan. And they have a new Night Court now. Yeah, yeah. Did you try it? No. Have okay, you? don't talk about it. Clayton, have you tried it? The new Night no. Court. <laughs> yeah. I love the original, but. He's like, no. Yeah. No, that's how I feel, too. I'm not doing it. So, it's so the rival tip of the week for all those folks up there, and uh, I'm afraid to say the name of that county because I don't want to get beeped, uh, <laughs> but where you're fighting for rink time, Emilio Estevez, if I've learned anything from Mighty Ducks 3, may have an old rink somewhere that you can con him into letting you use for a very cheap price. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I Wait, didn't... Does he live in Vermont? No, <laughs> that's just the plot of Mighty Ducks Three. Okay, that that would have been awesome. Though. Yeah, he was. Oh. It, was it was just the plot of, an, of a movie, <laughs> which is ironic because you're not normally I, the I've movie only guy. Seen the first one. Yeah, same. This same, was yeah. on. This was on like a 21st century after school thing we did, and uh, it was Mighty Ducks, and we watched. And I, you know, it was Mighty Ducks Three, I believe. If that, that says anything. Sounds excellent. The Ducks <laughs> Return, right? Yeah. Isn't there a sequel where Iceland is the bad guy? No, I don't know. <laughs> Iceland, I Mighty Ducks, too, like they're 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 like presented as being a like Soviet team. These these dirty, tough players from Iceland or whatever. <laughs> Coached by Bjork. I love it. I love it. All the way in Reykjavik. It's great. I, yeah. <laughs> Iceland, not not ice covered. By the way, it's it's ironic. They might have yes. trouble finding rinks there too. <laughs> I've never known they the have uh, another celebrity other than Bjork. That's all I know. Is the yeah, that's just Bork, Bjork and the Sugar Cubes. They were the, that's, but that's the same thing. It's um, no, Iceland. <laughs> one. They have one celebrity. That's it. <laughs> that, we did a cast off the most famous Icelandic celebrity. <laughs> begins and ends with Bjork. <laughs> how, how he could, would win. How could you, if you were Bjork, and if you don't know Bjork, you should check out Bjork. I mean, some good songs from the nineties, but Bjork uh, has to be like. You're all at once the most famous and least famous celebrity from Iceland in one sense because no one else knows anybody. <laughs> and whatever you do represents your entire country. That's a lot of pressure for Bjork. <laughs> no wonder she's had some moments. I assume, I assume some of the celebrities there would be like sea lions and porpoises and stuff. Oh, goodness. I, <laughs> I didn't even, I, I don't know. I couldn't name one Bjork song. I can't. Isn't that awful? I remember she had that dress, though, that was like a, a, like a swan. <laughs> That's what I'm Pre Lady Gaga, that. yeah. Oh, good stuff. You remember Play- that video, Human Behavior? It's like a nature. It's, it looks like sort of like a, uh, sort of like watching National Geographic on hmm. acid kind of thing. Wow, huh? It's, Not- it's well worth your. It's well worth four minutes of your time. Human be- Human Behavior. It's from like '94 or something. York. <laughs> we just don't have that this blend. Been- the B and the J to start the uh, a, a word in in our language, do we? This has been the best <laughs> best conversation. No, okay. <laughs> So I've looked this up. John, I, I had to Google this and and figure it Josh. out. Josh, and I uh, so I looked up. Did <laughs> you go with Josh? Josh, I love it. So like I'm sick. I looked up Icelandic celebrities. Guess mm-hmm. what? Bjork. It's Bjork. <laughs> it, it begins and ends with Bjork. That's what I'm oh. saying. Can you imagine if you're the only person anyone from knows about in your entire country? Everything you do, every mistake you make, is now not only does it look bad on you? It looks bad on your entire country. That's uh, a lot. 
Well, Bjork. I wonder if there's another country like that. Are they are they the only country with one celebrity? One celebrity, maybe Single. Greenland. I can't even name it. <laughs> one greenish land ish. Clayton, we got we got it such a short time. I do want to spend some time talking to you about your writing and uh, your success with your last book. And have you made progress? The last time we talked, I think you were doing some work on uh, maybe a college uh, coach mm, yeah. uh, book. How, how's the progress coming there? Going going very well. The the final edits all in. I've been discussing it with the publisher. The book is called Boston Ball. Uh, Jim Calhoun, Rick Pitino, Gary Williams, and college basketball's forgotten cradle of coaches. It's about college basketball in Boston during the 1980s. It doesn't come out till November. It's with the University of Nebraska Press. Okay. The idea is basically you have these three Hall of Fame coaching careers that begin in obscurity at uh, Boston, different schools in Boston, Calhoun at Northeastern, Patino at BU, and Gary Williams at BC, all during the early 1980s. They're all, it's very much the age of the big man in this time period, but they're all, these guys can't recruit impressive mm. big men, so they rely on smaller guys and they're pressing all the time and running up and down the court, and, and bringing a different style of ball back to, back to college basketball, which had come to be very much dominated by the big man. So it's both a story of these guys having Hall of Fame careers and also bringing about a different era in college basketball from the one that had preceded it. I couldn't be more excited about that. That's fascinating. Obviously, Rick Pitino, uh, uh, you know, a, either a hero or a villain, depending on who you're talking to, but very much a, a big part of Kentucky basketball. But I remember those days. I think we've talked about this before. Uh, when I was a kid, many people in the state of Kentucky, I'm sure throughout the United States, bought those great big satellite dishes. And at the time, you could just watch anything you wanted for free once you bought the dish. So I watched a lot of Nesson. I watched a lot of Red Sox games, and uh, they would show a lot of those college games, Boston University. And I especially remember Calhoun at Northeastern being a part of that because, you know, they were looking for programming. So anything they could get, uh, they would put on there. So just fascinating that those – Hall of Fame guys who went on to be such big names were all right there together in a, a community, and Clayton, you correct me if I'm wrong, that was probably much more centered around the Celtics. Very much so. I mean, they would be at best fifth place in terms of local news coverage, probably even behind high school sports once it got to uh, to tournament time. But, I mean, the Patriots were a rinky-dink operation right. at that mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. playing in the Rector Set Stadium down in Foxborough at the time. <laughs> but you had... I mean, the Red Sox were obviously the Red Sox. You have the Celtics in the middle of a new dynasty. And you have the, the Bruins have always been a tremendous local draw in Boston. Sure. Oftentimes, oftentimes out drawing the Celtics. Even when the Celtics were in their Kuzi, Havlicek, Russell uh, peak, the Bruins were drawing just as well as they were. So it's very much an afterthought, fighting for any coverage whatsoever. I mean, one of the aspects of these books is this book is that BU and Northeastern in particular, you have these fantastic teams that are going to the NCAA tournament, capable of duking, duking it out with national powers. They're playing for 800 people. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. is, I mean, these are bad crowds of high school games these yes. teams are playing for. BC drew a little better being in the Big East, but they had a gym that was basically like a bowling alley back then called the Roberts Center. And they, it was a 4,000-seat arena, and they would always pack it. But beyond, like, just a, a school that has, like, seven or 8,000 kids beyond – the students and their alumni. There was really no interest outside of uh, outside of that particular niche in Boston for them, even though they made it to the Sweet Sixteen in four out of five years in the early to mid eighties. Um, so, so it's part of the sto- story is fighting for attention. Part of the story is also a lot about recruiting too. How, if you don't have the big connections of the other programs, how do you build a winning team? So it's a, a story of how these schools all created pipelines that enabled them to uh, 
succeed by often looking in unexpected places for players. So the, it, it's it's kind of a, diff, a theme fest of different aspects of uh, the evolution of college basketball. Clayton, you brought up the Bruins. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention one of the m- most famous players, Ray Bjork. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Very good. The Icelandic team, Muddy Ducks too. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> start- we need famous Bjorks. Uh, I heard he great. started with an Emilio Estevez <laughs> coached uh, team back in the day on a on a ridden rink. See, I love where you're going there, Stock Tony, because the only name popping in my head was Cam Neely, and that doesn't play at all. But you got to Ray Bork, so that was really good. And that's uh, <laughs> again, he's not Icelandic, he by the way. He's he, oh, oh man! I, you're not going to hit the button. I know that's an intelligent. <laughs> that was, joke. No, that was great. That was fantastic. Big Borg, uh, Bjork, <laughs> the winner. Uh, real quick, because I, I am intrigued by this. So you get Patino at, at Boston University. Of course, he goes to Providence relatively quickly. That BC era with yeah, Gary Williams is is kind of where the Big East begins. And yeah. your are Ronnie Cycles and your Patrick Ewings and all those guys. I, I love the the small guys and the pressure that, that he brought to Providence with Billy Donovan and Delray Brooks and so on. But do you delve into to ESPN or those kind of, uh, I don't want to call them fringe, but regional sports networks, Nesson, do they have a, a play in this in this narrative that you're putting together? Absolutely. In particular, ESPN with the role they played in presenting the Big East to the country, which played a major role in recruiting for the Big East, Mm. because you had all these kids in California and stuff who could see these games at five in the afternoon. They come home from school and they're just sitting there watching Big East basketball, you know, know, before supper and stuff like that. It really helped all these schools expand their pipelines. I think with Calhoun, it helped the most because that had been well established by the time he gets to UConn and very much so. He takes the formula he built at Northeastern and then brought it with him to uh, to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. He's very much a program builder. For years, he'd been trying to he'd been considered for bigger jobs, but people thought, ah, he's at Northeastern. That's not a real job. That's that's rinky dink kind of stuff. He won't yeah. be able to compete in the big time. Finally, UConn had gone from UConn was in the NIT in the NCAA tournament frequently in the seventies, okay. but then they faded very much during the nineteen eighties, and they they wanted to get back in the big time. And they brought in a program builder in Calhoun who, in year two, they win the NIT. And now a lot of people view the NIT as a joke, but he very much said this is part of the pathway upward. That right. we prove we can compete against pro- prominent teams in, uh, in in this kind of a setting. And the state of Connecticut just went crazy embracing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the state of Connecticut is very hungry for things of their own. They had a Whalers team one time that lost their first-round playoff series and they had a parade for them in Hartford. <laughs> yes. So Love the Hartford Whalers. Yeah. Great jerseys. Oh, great name. The whole, the whole thing. Fantastic logo. It was cool. They played in a shopping mall. You could walk <laughs> by and the game is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I, yeah. I mean, the state of Connecticut acted like it was Woodstock or something when they won the <laughs> NIT. People stormed the court and they're carrying this team off at Madison Square Garden. They travel with them back to back to stores and they're burning on more furniture than they have at like a liberal arts college or something <laughs> that night to celebrate winning the NIT. And it was, it was onward and upward from there. You, you mentioned, uh, the big East coach did too. Uh, and I'm not coach generally more nostalgic, uh, among of, of us too, but, uh, the big East, uh, it going and losing its power than ultimately being what it's, you know, what it became. It's just it's something I miss. Do you get nostalgic when you think about those teams? You look at 1986, I believe you had three Big East teams. 
in or maybe it's 85 85 yeah. you got three big east teams in the final four out of i believe eight teams in the conference it's just such a it's such a time in basketball that i, I see never ever returning to that well you nearly had four that year because in the sweet 16 bc had memphis beat we're up with 30 seconds left started holding the ball turned it over vincent askew hits a hits a shot at the buzzer to beat them Memphis goes on beats Oklahoma in the in the in the in the final eight. It hadn't was what wasn't quite called the Elite Eight then. It ends up being a Final Four, and you have a BC team that had defeated each of the Big East teams in the Final mm-hmm. Four and lost by one point to the fourth team in it. That's great stuff. I remember Vince and ask you by the way was that uh, that was Larry Finch probably coaching that Memphis team at the time. I, I was a big exactly. Memphis. Yeah, it was I love Memphis. I thought they were great uh, back in the. Baskerville Holmes days and Vincent Askew and those it was really I love watching them and that's when uh, Clayton uh, in this regional part of the world Jefferson Pilot I think it might have been Metro. Raycom yeah they had Metro that's kind of the Big East yeah of the it South, was, it, was the, it was it was Tulane and Louisville and Cincinnati and Memphis South and, Carolina and you'd come home from church on Wednesday nights and there'd be a Metro game it didn't care you know who cares what it was Charlotte versus Tulane and you were pumped about it Absolutely, I, I loved the Great Midwest when that was a when yeah. that was a conference. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I would when I would come home and watch that stuff all the time too on, on on weeknights. Yeah, I think it's really too bad what's happened with college basketball in, in particular. I love football, but the way that football has been the the straw that stirred the drink has been very negative for a lot of other sports. So we again, it's a short show. I love just talking with you and hearing your knowledge, and I can't wait. So November, right? This book's coming out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Loserville, my first book's out now, and it you mm-hmm. know got a couple of year end. It's Sports Collector Digest called it one of the best baseball books of the year. Oh my! And this yeah, uh, this gross. and uh, this this entity called uh, Public Books, which is a a journalism, I guess, think tank through Columbia, named it one of their public picks of the year, one of their best books of the year too. So it was exciting to be on a couple of lists, and um, you know, who knows? There's other other awards out there, and hopefully, it gets. Uh, consider for some other things too but it's been a fun process and it's been fun talking about the book with people and uh and that has found a bit of an audience too has been a been a real a real blessing we're talking about loserville i saw that you are now offering um signed and personalized copies tell people where they can get one if they like that yeah if you if you if you if you check me out either on facebook i'm just there as clayton truder or ask clayton truder c-l-a-y-t-o-n-t-r-u-t-o-r for thirty bucks, you can get a signed and personalized copy, and that includes shipping. Just just send me a direct message, and uh, I'll uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, the book's also available on Amazon and all the well-known retailers now too. So so how fun is that? How do you how do you get your book nominated for awards? How cool is that to have your name tossed around and getting that uh, that kind of high praise? Is that uh, is that what you expected in this process? Well, to some extent, it's a product of your own doing. I mean, like you, you, you. If if you're aware of awards, you can have your publisher. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you. you send that book so it gets considered for it? Yeah. Um, the public books thing, I have no idea how that happens. Um, uh-huh. I actually, I think, I think one of the guys interviewed me, who's one of the uh, guys who's on the committees. I theorize how that one happened. The baseball one, I, I knew they, the sports collector digest did a baseball book, so I had them send along a copy of the book for consideration, and it's been sent along for consideration for some other awards. Some of it's legwork, and some of it's just you have no idea how this how these things happen with uh, serendipity. We'll give you the uh, KY Sports Guys Baseball Book of the Year award <laughs> tonight, right here. It's a two person right. vote. I, yeah. I'm voting yes. I'm, I'm on the fence, but I yes, I know I'm feeling it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. he fell over. We'll call him. Yeah. A four, we'll call him a four base error. <laughs> He's over the fence okay. now. We'll, we'll see. 
Sabres baseball book is a history of cheating in baseball. I can't wait to, I haven't read it. I can't wait to read it. I think it's such a cool topic. History of cheating in baseball. Yeah, it's by a guy named, uh, by a guy named Mark Armour, A-R-M, like Armour Hot Dog. I got it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, I forget the title, but it's the history of cheating. I thought, what a great topic. Yeah. Only, I, I, I can't wait to check it out. Like 20 chapters, 17 of them about <laughs> Gaylord Perry. <laughs> Gaylord Perry. Part three. <laughs> That's it. It's the Gaylord Perry biography. I love it. <laughs> uh, I was thinking it'd have to be at least, you know, war and peace. So. <laughs> and then there was Tuesday, 1901. Yeah, no steroids, just Gaylord Perry. <laughs> That's great. Hey, uh, again, uh, we could talk for hours and I would, I would enjoy doing it. I do want your thoughts. Uh, you follow, you know, modern college hoops uh, to some degree, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So thoughts on uh, some of these big powers, Kentucky among them, Duke, North Carolina. Have we seen kind of the end? Stock Tony was talking about the end of that Big East era. Mm-hmm. Have we seen the, the end of the era of the blue blood? Is it uh, is it ever going to be reclaimable for those guys? I think it's going to be very tough because it seems like all the different factors, whether it's NIL or one and done, everything tends toward parity, I think. Uh, with what's going on in college basketball now. Bayheim got criticized a couple of weeks ago for basically saying this and complaining about people like Pitt going out and spending piles of money right. to get quickly competitive. But I think he's basically right. I think they, this, this college basketball has such a fantastic state of grace that they've really ruined with a lot of these hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for players getting compensated, and I understand, some, I, I understand why guys want to move around, especially when coaches do it all the time. Mm-hmm. But... At the same time, I look at something that I just took such pleasure in for so many years that seems so strange to me now when I watch it. And it, it's very tough year to year knowing who is on what team. I mean, mm-hmm. as a little kid with the Big East, I feel like Chris Mullen was in the Big East for 90 years. Exactly. Yes. I yeah. feel like Patrick Ewing was a Big East player forever. Um, yeah, Pearl Washington, all these guys had these very long college careers. That, but by the time they got to the NBA, they, were, they seemed like old men to me. Well, and Chris um, Mullen uh, looked like one. Let me float this theory out as you were talking about that. And you mentioned, going back to something you said about Calhoun and the, and Patino and, and those guys not able to get big men. Parity, uh, I think they're more great players than ever. But part of that is because, to me, uh, you don't have to be seven feet to be a great player. In fact, a lot of times the big guys aren't as coveted as they used to be because the game has changed. There are a lot more six six guys, six eight guys than there are seven two guys, and I think that's created a lot of the parity in in college basketball, where you know a team that doesn't need to go out and get the one of the fifty seven footers available in the whole world. I understand that. I just kind of hate the evolution of the game that it's just a bunch of people hanging around the three point line. It, I think the game has lost some of its sense of symmetry. I go back and look at old games. A couple of weeks ago, I was just flipping by ESPN Classic, and that game five of the 76 finals with the Suns and Celtics was on. Yeah. And the quality of jump shooting in particular in that game, these guys just nailed everything from 10, 12, 14 feet. Um, in, the way, in a way, the guys don't now. It's either really in close or guys are just hanging around looking for a three-pointer. And I think, I think it makes the game seem very stilted. I mean, I, I'm very medieval in my sports views. I mean, you know I hate the designated hitter more mm-hmm. than more than anything in the world. I think the thing I hate second most is the three-pointer. I mm. would be very much toward going back to the old style of the game. 
I think one of the reasons I enjoyed doing this book so much was most of it takes place before the three-pointer comes into college basketball. It's yeah, just at the very, true. very end of the book that that's even starting to be a thing. That I, I love going back and watching like uh, the Elite Eight game between BC and Houston in 1982, just as Five Slam Jam is starting to come into being. You have a great BC team that's great at running up and down the court. Yeah. And it was just a horse race for 40 minutes. It was a 90, 96 to 92 game. That was, to me, just perfect basketball. With all and, two uh, pointers, yeah. I, I wish there were more games like that now. Yeah, absolutely. I love your. I'm telling you, you and I could visit and and have a cup of coffee because I'm right with you on a lot of this stuff, and I've written a lot on our website about kind of how things have devolved in a lot of ways. Everything's very stagnant now, a lot of standing, uh, and it's very half court oriented. Our rules have made it very half court oriented, and and I could go into a lot of different things. I won't because Stockton has been bored by it before, <laughs> but uh, I I agree with you. You go back and watch some of those old games, and and people had shots, right? Like. Like Goose Givens, Jack Givens, he had a shot. Like he he was really good at this little turnaround, left-handed, twelve-foot kind of. He that was his shot. Nobody has a shot anymore. You either shoot the three or you dunk it. That's all you have. Yeah, absolutely. Clayton <laughs> yeah, was like, "Was there a question mark?" Yeah, no, there, there was no question at all. That's that's great broadcasting on my part. <laughs> oh. Uh, Clayton, <laughs> we pre- coach is right. The, the show moves so fast, and uh, we've talked basketball. We've talked, uh, you know, your books and everything. But you know why we have you on, right? It's Bake Off. Well, baking show. <laughs> Great British baking show. We were a little late getting this. Uh, had some delays up in the first of the year. But so if you're listening and you've not seen the newest Great British Baking Show came out around Christmas, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken. It came out through That's the right. fall, but the finish was around Christmas. Uh, if you've not seen that, then you might want to stop listening for a few minutes. Clayton, you had the best memory uh, among the three of us because I don't remember names really well. But your takeaways from early uh, early cast-offs to sort of the end. Well, I mean, the the lady who ended up winning, I found fairly grating. Her name was Shabira. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just, I don't know, she just rubbed me the wrong you, way. You didn't that. love Shabir. The, the guys who finished, I didn't love Shabir. The guys who finished second and third, I liked both. Abdul just seemed like a pleasant dude to be around. Mm-hmm. And Sandro, first of all, was just handsome as hell. Yeah. Like, he could be a movie star. I mean, he, he sort, was... of, sort of seemed like almost like an Idris Elba type to me. I, I mm-hmm. would, I, I, he better be in movies or something. He right. also has a very good screen presence. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought they were just going to have him win because he could just walk into a studio and be a star. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, News was an interesting guy. The uh, he was from Poland originally. He was he was kind of an, he was an interesting character, and I was surprised he went out as early as he did because he seemed like as talented as anybody there. No, but, which uh, one was this? Yeah, I, who? Uh, yeah, News was his name. Yeah, yeah, Poland. yeah, News. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a short, stocky yes. guy. Yeah, I got. Um, well, you're you know, talking no about Sandro. like uh, screen yeah. presence, uh, obviously, Sandro. Early on, I think we talked to you maybe at the beginning of the baking show season, and, and your girl was Rebs, and she had the screen presence. She had the uh, oh yeah, uh, and she was terrible. <laughs> she was a, a bad baker. She was a terrible baker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you yeah, have yeah. to be bad if you're there for the screen presence and you are the second one out or something. Yeah, I think I called her my pretend girlfriend there. Yeah, she's she, she real cute, but. Uh, but yeah, she was out and like, well, she also did the thing I've noticed in recent years, they let people be out for a week. And I think it's ever since COVID, like mm-hmm. they're not feeling well and they don't want to you know, make everybody sick. 
like one week her and somebody else were out too and 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 people were like what's going on that mm. that definitely saved her and got her a little later into the show um, yes. I wonder if that was to bail the, the to to bump up the male rating for a bit that she was going to be on a little longer. Perhaps, but, uh, yeah. I don't know. So, so I agree uh, with you about Abdul being a cool guy. I thought he was, you know, pleasant, nice fella. I didn't think he was that good, and I felt like he was like every week he just wasn't bad enough to get out of the show. Yeah, I, he just. I didn't. Hung I was around. disappointed. I thought there were better bakers than Abdul to be in the final three. And like you, I was a Sandro fan. That was who I was cheering for and uh it, he he was too ambitious he flew really too close to the sun wouldn't you say yeah yeah i, th- I think that's a, that's a good description of the problem and i think we saw this year something we've seen a couple of other times now that just being good enough seems to be the approach they take like yanus was obviously a fantastic baker mm-hmm. throughout right. he had a bad week he made a couple of bad decisions yep. and that that got him out of being in the final yep. I, I wish they uh I wish there was a way of doing it that didn't just reward being kind of B minus all the time. Yeah. I think that's a great description. I think your best bet is to lay low. Don't be the star baker so much, but just make sure you're not dead last. It's really my strategy when being chased by a bear, right? <laughs> don't, don't be last. That's yeah. Be all faster you- than the slowest guy. That's it. <laughs> that's it. See, I thought I, I could see why Shamira, my, I can see why Shamira might be grading. I thought it was a good word. She, yeah. she could get on your nerves. She, her laugh, she laughed a lot. She seemed to be happy, very pleasant. But I can see how that could be grading. I just thought consistently that she was overall didn't have any of the bad moments. Whereas Sandro, a couple times, Sandro messed some said, things he, up. He, yeah, yeah, he did. You see that maybe as as your problem with her. That could be. I also, frankly, am a terrible. I'm I'm a terrible cook. So, like in terms of the actual quality of the cooking, I I watch it the same way I watch The Bachelor or something. Like I, I'm very much a personality driven approach to the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, the food is sort of a mechanism to get at the personalities for yeah, me. I got you. Um, yeah, it's reality so, yeah, television. Yeah, she's a fantastic cook. Yes. I, I got to ask one more question, and okay. I'm sorry, I interrupted no, go ahead, Doc Tony there, but I'm I'm intrigued by. Of course, I was a Mary Berry fan, and obviously Paul's the star. I get that. And uh, what's the other lady? Prue. Prue. Yeah. Now I don't. I don't. I don't love Prue. I know you're not a Prue fan. I'm not a Prue. I'm not saying she's bad. I don't love her. But do you feel like now? I think the judging has went askew because I felt like Mary Berry and Paul were equals, and now I feel like I'm watching a baking show version of Hall and Oates. I feel like it's two parts <laughs> Paul and one part Prue. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, she is John Oates, isn't she? She's John Oates. That's it's a great right. way to make uh, no bake cookies, though. <laughs> John Oates cookies. I love yeah. it. Do, do you feel like the judging is tilted with Prue there? I think so, yeah. And I think it's just part of him being the incumbent that makes it seem that mm-hmm. way. I mean, they apparently were going to get rid of Matt for this season that they mm-hmm. really have now. Yeah, that's um, all I would ask you about. That's really happened. Yeah, you reported that last that's time really you were happened. on, and then he came on, and, and he made you look bad from across the pond. <laughs> yeah. You know, he totally put egg in your face. Coming out early for the draft. Exactly. <laughs> that's, it. that's what you get for being the first to report yeah, yeah, something. I, I, I reported five years early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but now, yeah, according yeah, to everything, he I, is I, out. Yeah, I think it was just me being the king of wishful thinking. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge Matt fan either. He's fine, but uh, so he's out. Out. That's really true. He's not going to be on anymore. That's what the Daily Mail said. 
Well, yeah. there you I go. Love American tabloids. I like, British, <laughs> I like British ones even better. We need to get uh, Noel partnered up with the Bush Tastic guy again, his p- former partner who did the the like old Greg stuff. Uh-huh. There you go. Or I'm maybe one of us could there. do it. I would be willing to go and do it. Uh, you would. I would prefer that. <laughs> it would be fun, but if I would be a little intimidated with Noel because to me Noel is. I don't know. I think Noel's hilarious. He's got that kind of different humor that it's part British, part goth. And then when I, you know, look back and watch the old Greg stuff, I just can't. It's it's just looking at a hero. I don't even know if I want to meet him because it'd be meeting a hero. Hmm. Interesting point. That is a weird thing. I was meeting, meeting, uh, encountering a celebrity, particularly with somebody you, you've thought highly of. is a dangerous scenario, I think. You run into that a lot, I'm assuming, with research. You talk to people. You probably interview some folks. Uh, you don't have to trash anybody's character, but th- has there ever been a moment uh, where you felt like, man, I thought this person would be very different? Maybe maybe in a positive way. You thought this guy's going to be a jerk, but, hey, he's a pretty nice guy. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Calhoun for the book. I was a little intimidated because he you know, could kind of come off as a he as comes, as yes. character. He comes, yes. Yes. Wouldn't have been a nicer guy. It was like really? sitting next to your old buddy at the Legion Hall or something. We chatted yeah. for two hours. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. He was great. How about that? Um, Gary, Willi- Gary Williams is an intense dude. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the way you see him, on, like, you can tell he's a totally authentic guy. Like, the way you see him on TV, I think he's like that all the time. He's, mm. he's, a, he's a, a serious dude. Like, just in terms, I mean, it was a different feel to it. Whereas with Calhoun, it was like I was talking with an old buddy within mm. five minutes. That's interesting. And again, if you, these books, uh, the one you have written already, Loserville, it's out now. And then the new one, and you, you gave us the title. I'll let you do that again, coming out in November on Nebraska Press. I believe I heard that right. The new one, and again, Clayton's named what? Yep. It's called Boston Ball. Jim Calhoun, Boston Rick Ball, Pitino, yeah. Gary Williams, and uh, College Basketball's Forgotten Cradle of Coaches. Yeah. And, and again, you already said it, but to all our listeners out there, I know we've sold, uh, a few books this way. There are people who have listened and commented, yeah. and I know uh, Cards Cat's parent bought the book and really enjoyed it. Uh, Loserville, How Professional Sports Remade Atlanta and How Atlanta Remade Professional Sports. That one's out. It's gaining attention and traction and winning awards, and we're very happy for you in that regard. One, uh, one tonight. Yeah, one yet another one tonight. Yeah. Uh, Clayton, be, be careful celebrating. People are on my home, so the way he celebrates so just <laughs> – Watch out, okay? Everyone's watching it all the time. Well, I don't have a brother. I, I don't have a brother named Jackson, so I'm okay. Yeah, you're you're in the clear. Then uh, again, we're just running short of time, and I hate that. But uh, do we need to get to a couple yeah, of the bits, or just straight the cast off? Get the cast okay, off. Gotcha. Yeah, we got we get game or two, Clayton. We, we played with you before, I'm sure. Uh, I want to do a how do you oh, do? Yeah, looking forward to it. A couple of how do you do's? Okay. How about that? We've yeah. had a few of these on forever. Great. And we'll just do a couple of those, and we'll get to cast off. In a world where no one agrees on much of anything, maybe there's a right way, and maybe there's not. It's time for How Do You Do. So this assumes, Clayton, that, uh, and I think I've texted with you before, but I can't remember if you're a blue message guy or if if they send green. But it assumes that maybe you are a blue message guy. And uh, you ever delete a text, and then you get asked to report to junk, and you just think it's you're still deleting and report like a friend to junk. Have you ever done that? And if so, how do you do with that? Do you do anything about it? I don't think I've ever deleted hmm. a text in my life. <laughs> Every text I've sent since I got a phone is probably in there and uh, is going to, you know, 
someday appear in some, in some record, I guess. <laughs> I, I, the, the concept of deleting them has never occurred to me, I guess. Hmm. But I, I never say anything interesting either on text, I feel like. So it's not, you know, it's like, uh, it'll be like, mom called. Or, <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm not a very, vocer- you know, it's like, uh, see you at 730. A boring text. Very right? vanilla. Yeah. I'm he saves it all for the books. <laughs> <laughs> That's ironic for someone who writes. Yeah. I'll send weird pictures. Like, I mean, I'm looking at my text chain with my brother, and I sent him a picture of Batman fighting a bunch of villains <laughs> who were upside down in an episode with the Riddler on it, I think. I um, like, we, we, we basically just talk in pictures. It's sort of like doing interpretive dances at each other, I think. I'm sorry to uh, report, Clayton, yeah, that so- you've not been nominated for the KY Sports Guy's Most Interesting Texter Award. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't make it. Didn't make the cut. Are you a Batman fan? I love the the TV show from the sixties. Yeah, when, when my uh, my my brother and I got home from school, my mom would make us. She would fry bologna, and we would each eat two pieces of fried bologna and watch Batman many afternoons. What a great like a memory! A lot of other kids would get like snacks. We always got bologna. I'm not sure why. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> it was very prominent in my household. Do you still? Uh, um, are you still a fried bologna guy? I love fried bologna. I love in particular Same. making a bologna hat where you stick it in the frying pan. The middle comes up yeah. the sides, mm. crisp up. It's kind of like a cowboy hat. Then make make a little ketchup design on it. We've That's been doing a great way to start. Excuse me. Yeah, we've been doing this show for seven years, yeah, eight years almost while. now. And, and when we originally did, it was in my house. We did a hundred episodes of the podcast, and one of our original bits was what's on the grill. And we early on decided to thin thin slice cans of spam and grill them and everyone thought they would be awful and it's got a it's it's great i don't know if you've tried it but it's got a, a bologna sort of bacony sort of mix to it the, the 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 charring of any kind of cured meat like that i think goes well <laughs> there you That's go right. well said that's uh what's on the grill <laughs> that was an old bit that was good what about a whammy sandwich Clayton? Have you ever- <laughs> whammy whammy <laughs> that's good stuff what's a whammy sandwich? uh we have a uh at our at our school, we have a uh, student-run restaurant, and uh, they do breakfast in the morning, and they uh, whammy, a whammy sandwich. I think it's, what, egg and a meat choice? Yeah, and meat choice, salty cured meat. On toast. Is that right? Or yeah, on Texas on, toast, I believe. I believe it's on Texas toast. So. We did the ad, and it's on, uh, We and basically, I say, whammy, really loud. <laughs> and then Coach Hurd is very surprised at why I would say that. That's Because I never have done that before. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's the bit. Have you guys ever seen the movie Quadrophenia, like the Who movie? Uh uh-uh, uh, no. I know what you're talking about, but I'm not, no. It's like a movie, it's like a movie, like the, the Who did the soundtrack, I guess. Yeah. But it's like the mods and rockers in Britain. And there's this one scene where a guy has a basically a whammy sandwich and he bites into it and there's just egg guts all over the yeah. place. And it's what I envision. And that sounds like a great sandwich to me. There you Wham go. Man. Very, very delicious well, description. We would sure. send you one if we had some dry eyes. So I don't know. Uh, one more. <laughs> oh, you're the- the uh, the shopping cart litmus test, and I've seen this on Facebook a few times or on on social media on Twitter. Uh, the people who do not take the shopping cart back is that a litmus test of what kind of person you are? Absolutely, yeah, it's a citizenship thing. Um, people, you know, there's kids got to go out in the cold. It's fairly unpleasant. It's a very small thing. I mean, if you're a senior citizen, if you have some physical ailment, fine. But a, but an able-bodied person should be able to bring that back to the uh to the location do you ever like grab a couple while you're out and bring them in because people didn't 
Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I had a job like that, and I know how unpleasant it was. Clayton, you win the KY Sports Guys Citizenship Award <laughs> for that as well. Yes. <laughs> hey, sincerely, uh, a serious note to that. Do you, this is not even a judgment deal about people, because I, I agree, look, you should put the cart back. Yeah. And I, I do worry sometimes, we don't do politics a whole lot here, but I do worry sometimes in our kind of, it's all about me mentality. You know, I can do whatever I want mentality. That a lot of times we lose kind of that camaraderie of, I should do good things for others. Uh, and I don't, that's not a political message at all, but it is, it's good to put the cart back. I mean, come yeah. on, that's something you can do. But here's my question. Do you strategize parking spots? Based on how close you can get to the cart deal. The car corral. Yeah. No, I always park as far as I possibly can within the parking area. Because for me, like if I, I it's a time to build in to get some steps in for the day. Mm. Oh, interesting. So I, I park the furthest of anybody in the world away from the thing. I also, in the wintertime, I like, because I, I really, I always get really dried out in the winter with heat. Mm. And my, like, I always want to have a humidifier on like, Mm-hmm. To me, getting the more fresh air you can get in the wintertime and where it's bearable with the cold, I try to do that. So I park like a half mile away from, from the grocery store. That's interesting. And that saves spots for other people. Other people who may, may be possibly our, senior citizens. That's, that's what, so what well done. Citizen. That's right. And it's important to do that at Wally World as well. Park in the back so that when the traffic's gone, you can you can be first down. You're there. not just a great citizen. You're a great <laughs> citizen of Earth. <laughs> that's right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Clayton, it's been a treat as always, and uh, the time just goes so quickly. And for all our listeners, again, it's Clayton Truder at Clayton Truder on Twitter. Uh, he's got a book out, Loserville. Uh, you can fill in the rest of that. Look that up. Google it. You can buy it. We want you to do that. And there's another one coming out called Boston Ball. It's about college hoops back in the early days with Patino at BU, with Gary Williams at BC, and uh, again with Jim, Jim Calhoun, Calhoun yeah. at Northeast. Thank you. I almost forgot the name there, but uh, well, I forgot Gary Williams earlier, and I just left that out. Clayton, just uh, really happy for your success, and we're again grateful that you've been a good friend to us and been willing to to come visit for a while. We have one thing left. Yeah, a little cast off time, Clayton. We'll go here in just a moment. The three-part harmonies there, by the way, have been compared to Burt Bacharach, <laughs> Frank Sinatra, and Mel Torme. I love it. What's your favorite Burt Bacharach? Did he do Raindrops Keep Falling uh, on My Head? Is that him? Did they all do the same ones? Burt Bacharach wrote like yeah, a he wrote thousand a songs. Things. Yeah. That's right. Did he do Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head? Yeah, he wrote that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think he ever did the Dion Warwick version of... Yeah. Uh, there's always something there to remind me. Yes. Which, the, the later one by Naked Eyes is good, but I think hers has a has a uh, a vibrance to it that the cover doesn't. Spot on. Mm. Yeah, what a great call by you. I'm so glad you brought that one up. Uh, Brody, my son, he's he's into eclectic uh, music, different mm-hmm. things, but he, he caught something one time, the soundtrack, the theme song to Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. You remember that old mm-hmm. show, Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne? And did you know that the theme to that 
was written by Burt Bacharach. I did not. True story. So I, I want I local local news that I got to get going here before we do the cast off. And I'm sorry to keep you, Clayton. I know you're a busy guy, but I do. I want to mention this because I'm just seeing it. Uh, Anna Grace Bly, who's a oh, junior yeah. for the Lady Hornets. She's regional cross-country champion, just a, a tremendous person. Was regional 1,600-meter uh, track champion. Tra- yeah, 1,600-meter track right. champion, great track star and uh, basketball player and so forth. Of course, the Lady Hornets in the finals on Thursday. Also has won a trip to Washington, D.C. because of her riding prowess, something mm-hmm. that you and I, Stocktoni, and I know Clayton as well as yeah, a, rider, a rider, will be very proud of, but she was able to win a uh, riding contest sponsored by Tri-County Electric. We're very grateful uh, for the folks at Tri-County and for Anna Grace being able to win that contest and head to Washington, D.C., and just great for her. I think she'll have a great time. You know, it's all students from this area, all juniors, I believe. Yeah. And she'll have a great time getting to see. I'm not sure if she's been to Washington or not, but they that's a tour they take on the yearly basis, so they know what's going on. You know, yeah. Uh, she'll get to see all the stuff. Congrats to her. So, like cast off. American City. Oh, is that I right? I love Washington so much. How about there's that? So much to, I mean, I feel like there's so much to do there. Like just with all the museums and everything uh-huh. and the government stuff. I just love going to Washington so much. And also the best public transit system I've seen. It's just so quick. It's so efficient. It's clean. It's safe. I think it's the it's the best subway system I've seen. Very well said. Going to put you on the spot real quick before cast off then, Clayton. Uh, Anna Grace, junior in high school. Coach Hart and I know her. We're going we're gonna to give her this info. Little secret. Where might you go? What might be a cool thing to do in Washington that she could do on a tour? Maybe I don't know if there's something you can think of. But what could be cool that she's got to do if she can? I mean, any of the Smithsonian's are great. It doesn't matter which one you pick; they're all they're all fantastic mm. places to go. Uh, the National Gallery's great. Um, I, I would just—I mean, those are hardly secrets, but those are all fantastic to uh, to go to. Um, I mean, the Air and Space Museum people love in particular. Um, the various American history ones are all, are all great. I mean, any of them will be worth your time and, and a great way to spend a day. Great advice. Yeah, I love that. What do we have for cast off? All righty. This one, since we talked begging show, <laughs> I'm not sure it's a repeat or not. I don't we're think gonna, so. We're going to go kitchen utensils, non-eating division. So we're taking forks and spoons that you eat with out. No knives either. Uh, all those other things are on here, though. So we got tongs, the colander, a whisk, a grater, the wooden spoon, measuring cup, spatula, measuring spoon, cutting board, ladle, peeler, frying pan, blender, can opener, potato masher, rolling pin, slotted spoon, kitchen shears, garlic press, Dutch oven, mortar and pestle, and stock pot. I left a T out of mortar. Put an R in there instead. All right, that's a long list. An effort to give Coach Hurt the final pick. I'm going to let Clayton go first, followed by Coach Hurt, then by me. The first thing I'm going to get rid of is the potato masher, the steel hand granat. Um, the uh, Germans <laughs> used it in World War One and World War Two. Uh, really? A lot of Allied soldiers. Huh. I'm opposed to the uh, to, to the use of that against Allied soldiers. There you so go. I'm going to get rid of the potato masher. I like that. That's a good stance to take. So the potato masher, uh, for patriotic reasons, is out out the door. Is am I next? Yes. Uh, I'm getting rid of the. Uh, oh man, it's already difficult. I'm getting rid of the Dutch oven. I don't know that I've ever uh, ever used one of those. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not sure either. It seems it's a pan, right? It's a pot, pan, yeah. mix. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think we do to make Joe Karen maybe uses that with the candy. To no make, offense like, to, to the Dutch chocolate. Though. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. A lot of terrible New England food is made in a Dutch oven. Like <laughs> hot roast is the worst food in the world. 
just gray, terrible food from places where nothing actually grows. Uh, I think the reason a lot of those European countries went out to the rest of the world is because their food was so bland and terrible and were cooked in things like Dutch ovens. There you go. Thank you for supporting me. I feel very supported. <laughs> the the uh, Platon took out the most problematic okay. of all yeah. tools in the kitchen because if you have a potato masher in a drawer, you will never open that drawer again. Can't get the drawer open. No. Mm-hmm. So they, And they're very useless. But once a year, maybe when you make mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. you should hang them in the garage. Well, and also, you can mash the potatoes if they're cooked right. You can yeah. just take a fork, fork and yeah. or buy them somewhere. Okay. But anyway, uh, I'm going to take out the most dangerous, okay. which is the cheese grater. The grater uh-huh. is a fingertip grater at most. Uh, <laughs> so if you're eating something that's been grated, it's a good pour, a good chance you eat, you're eating fingernails and possible <laughs> skin too. So just uh, be careful. All right. Like, you know, that was that was actually that was the next one I was going to get rid of. Okay. I, I, yeah, I feel the same way about it. I'm going to get rid of kitchen shears because in my household growing up, they were being used largely for personal grooming, so they're pretty <laughs> disgusting. So. Yes. I love it. Yes. Must be some thick beards up there in the Northeast. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I like the kitchen shears. More, I, more working over feet. Oh, <laughs> yikes. The cheese grater. Oh. Uh, I like the, uh, we've become like sick, gross humor. Yeah. So we need it's to be garbage really, pail kids. really dark right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the, all right. I use it. I have a second pair of kitchen shears that I keep for like uh, cutting up things in the garage. They're good for non food related things. Like if you've got an old tarp or something that needs destroyed, these things work really well for that. Just the hardcore cutting you need done more than I use those for actual food. Hmm. Is it my turn? On you. Okay. I am getting rid of the rolling pan. Rolling I, pan. I think it's been the uh, it's been problematic in many a marriage. So. <laughs> and cartoons, uh, <laughs> cartoons. You don't exactly. chase a don't chase a mouse in <laughs> yes, the rolling exactly. pan. Exactly. I remember Wilma getting after Fred with yeah. it, so that's that's my vote. Clayton, if you ever want to write that, just give me part of it. The title <laughs> is "Don't Chase a Mouse with a Rolling Pan." Um, uh, <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> Copyright. Yeah. 2020. I'm going to cast off the mortar and pestle because I mean. I'm not fancy enough to have one of these. I, don't, I know you're not probably. Is anyone fancy enough to have a mortar and pestle? I don't even know what it is. Well, I think they used to use them in drugstores. I'm not sure stores. it is, yeah. yeah. And okay. fancy people. Oh, oh I yeah, know what you're talking about. They put about. the yeah. rosemary and their thyme yeah. in there. I get mine out of a. Kind of grind it up. Yeah, I get my rosemary and thyme out of a out of a plastic bottle like everybody else. I everybody else. Yeah. yeah. All right. I don't have time for that. <laughs> you're uh, on a roll. Yeah. That's good. You're on a roll. Yeah, Come on exactly. now. Exactly. We, we need a better <laughs> sounder. Clayton, uh, on you. A garlic press. You just yeah. put your knife on top of it, mm-hmm. smash it down, and you're good to go. No need yeah. for that nonsense. Solid. Yeah, that's Solid. it's too dedicated of a tool. I agree. Can I get rid of the frying well, pan? I love show. the frying pan, but is, is that really a utensil? Our show, yeah. So frying pan is out. Well, maybe also uh, very much a part of many a, a bad marriage. So yeah, heard. I yeah. The story goes. That uh, Charlie and I are Leuven, and uh, Clayton, I know you like music. I don't know if you're a, a bluegrass uh, oh, old gospel. Guys, yeah. The Leuven brothers. Okay, yeah. And, and yeah, I got this story from Cocaine and Rhinestones. The story goes in the book. I read the book, too, um, that Charlie got to Ira's house about the time Ira's wife hit him with a cast iron really? skillet. Oh, my. And broke the skillet. I don't believe that's true. Have you ever seen a cast iron skillet? There's yeah. no way to break one of those. But that's the story. That's the story, and they're sticking to it. So. All right. Nothing sticks to a cast iron not if you not if you season it correctly. No. <laughs> All right, you're up. It's on you. No, no, I, I got rid of oh. something frying pan. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not very intelligent. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast <laughs> off the uh, P 
peeler. Yeah. I, I, my mom wouldn't use one of those. And then I kind of, you know, decided I didn't think we needed them either. I think a knife works just fine. I'm totally incompetent with the peeler too. Mm-hmm. I, it's not They're nearly dangerous. as, yeah. I'm much better with like a single sided knife. I'm just not effective with it. Yeah. I agree. All I right. Clayton. As somebody who mostly eats uh, Hungry Man dinners, a lot of this <laughs> stuff is very foreign to me. Uh-huh. Um, I think Stockpot is something I've never owned, never used. And the idea of making my own soup seems very daunting. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I was going to make soup, I'd be using another item on here, um, the uh, can opener for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good choice. Yeah, that's, that's right. You need to, I think a big family, if you have a big family, a Stockpot's required possibly or, or at least handy. If you got a one person, two person, even three or four person family, a, a regular just big pot will work. A stock pot's getting into the three, four gallon stuff, wouldn't you say, Coach? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, those huge tall pots right. when you make enough soup for a family of five or six to, to last three days or something. So, so I'm going to go next. I know we're having a great time again, but uh, I'm, at some point they're going to get the uh, take us off the stage. Oh, like the Sandman. Yeah. Uh, this is an honest one. This is not humorous. This is in deference to uh, <laughs> uh, my late granny who measured nothing okay. but was a great cook. Hmm. I'm going to get rid of the measuring cup. Measuring cup. Why be gone. so precise? Well, then I will. Uh, I'm going to do a reset after I do this, one, okay. Clayton. But in, in honor of your late granny, I'll get rid of the measuring spoon. Thank then. you so much. Very good. Uh, we have left tongs, colander, whisk, wooden spoon, spatula, cutting board, ladle, blender, can opener, slotted spoon. I'm not even sure what a slotted spoon is, so I'm going to get rid of that. Right. I was thinking the same thing. I'm not sure either. Is that the one that has holes in it? It's not. Yeah, it's not. Uh, so what's the, the point? They, well, it lets the water or whatever, the, the soup drain out if you just want to get like the fixings of the soup, oh. not the soup in it. Yeah, I would not have known that. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, like a like overcooked broccoli. You just drain the water out of it. Okay. Yeah, but hmm. you can use a colander for that as well. I got you. So this is getting down yeah. to the good ones, I think. Yeah. But I, I'm. This may be an upset. I'm getting rid of the blender. Hmm. I think more Jimmy Buffett when I think of a blender. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, take me to your blender. <laughs> um, I'm going to cast off the. Hmm. It is getting tough now. I put. I just noticed I put wooden spoon. By the way. <laughs> yeah, you did. I'm not very intelligent. Typing these things up, I don't have an editor. Clayton, if you know any good editors, I mean. I'm not very intelligent. All right. Um, I'm going to cast off the wooden spoon. Well, I usually spoon. fight with Ryan, so. <laughs> The wooden spoon and the wooden spoon is cast off. All right, off. wooden spoon is gone. All right, so we got tongs, colander, whisk, um, spatula, spatula, cutting board, ladle, cutting and can board. opener. Ladle and can opener. The word ladle has always made me I feel uncomfortable when I say it. Uh, I'm going to say get rid of ladle. <laughs> okay. All right. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I, I like it. I mean, a good ladle is very handy if you do like soup. Clayton talking about, you know, probably soup in a can. He just pours it all in one and just pours it out probably i like a ladle if you're cooking especially if you're using a stock pot it's a must so i had a quick question here. I, yeah. I know what it is now um can opener you remember those big electronic ones mm-hmm. you, and those were not great does yeah. anybody still use those big electronic can opener yeah my dad still has one i don't know how if he uses it or not yeah gotcha. we just bought a new handheld can opener uh-huh. the one we had was barely you know opening cans so right. it was a bit of a misnomer. We threw it away. Got a new one. But we do the handheld. So I'm getting rid of the can opener. Okay, but that can't. They well, can also starve, be the can. I starve then with that one. Hmm. Some cans, Clayton, are you finding some cans have the pop top, though, with the, with the little ring around them? 
Well, that, that's for fancy people. I'm not sure I'm ready <laughs> for that yet, but, uh, okay. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, no. I, yeah. But those people take that and they put it in the mortar and pestle and they grind it up. And... <laughs> Whose uh, turn is it? I, is it on me? I think so. I, I'm moving your bit now. Uh, I'm going to cast off the whisk. I believe in the baking show, this may be the most popular of the things they use still, but I'm casting it off. We're down to tongs, colander, spatula, and cutting board. I'm going to get rid of tongs. I mean, you want wow. some salad? You just stick your hand in there, grab some, grab a, grab a fistful of salad, stick that on your plate. Man, I thought I, I really, I, tongs was where I was going. Yeah, that was that was what I was uh, rooting for. Well, he's going salad tongs. I get that. I, get I was you. thinking of barbecue tongs. I was taking stuff off the grill. Yeah. yeah, that's that's where I was, but that's okay. So who's turn? Your hand too. <laughs> I just yeah, don't worry about the heat. He's got it's the fine. Teflon hands. So colander, which I really like, spatula, which seems obvious, and cutting board. Is that what we got? Yeah, that's it. I'm I'm hung up on this utensil. Mm-hmm. idea is a cutting board a utensil i don't know all right it's a board i'm, I'm gonna get rid of the colander then although wow. i really like the colander colander it I, I like the way it's spelled there's something about the way it's spelled that just draws me to it c-o-l-a-n-d-e-r you get the last pick yeah i messed up again uh i'm gonna cast off uh i'm gonna cast off the cutting board because i think you're right even though cutting board is very handy unless you have those kind of countertops i love a good off. cutting board a good cutting board's great, and you can have some really stylish ones too. We just use the little plastic one because it's easier to clean and easier to store. But some really nice cutting boards out there. Spatula though, you can do almost anything with a spatula. That's true. Good cast I'm off. I'm so glad spatula won. That's really, what I've been hoping for all along. Huh. Because when I was a kid, I loved the spatula rhymed with Dracula. I take a <laughs> spatula and act like I'm gonna go attack Dracula with my spatula. I love so it. That's, that, that made my night the spatula one. There you go. Well, we're sending you home happy. Uh, Clayton, uh, thank you so much for joining us again. It's been a great show. What a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Hey. Love to come on anytime. We'll, we'll holler at you soon. Thanks, Clayton. All right. Take care. You too. Clayton Truder, everybody. At Clayton Truder. And again, uh, Loserville is the book that's out right now. And it's really cool. It's about, it's not about Louisville. Uh, and I don't mean that in a yeah, mean way. A lot way. of people, that's when you they, yeah. they hear that. That's the first thing to think. It's about Atlanta and, and kind of those new cities that got sports teams, Houston, mm-hmm. and those kind. but really Atlanta, Atlanta. is the, the bulk of it. The Braves is a lot of it, but also the Falcons, and they had a hockey team that eventually moved to Calgary. And it's a really cool book. So uh, order that. And I'm excited about this new one about Boston College Hoops, which is called Boston Ball. Yeah, not Boston College Hoops. Boston Hoops. College, le- yeah, college level. College level, yeah. Correcting that. Because it does have Boston College, Providence as well, and Northeastern. Those teams with those those coaches who went on to become all Big East star coaches and then beyond. I, we really need to get off the air and uh, and and go just to, out of courtesy. Yeah. I think. But my mom was listening. Okay. And she says this, Dutch ovens were used in World War II. Ladies had to work. They took their heavy Dutch ovens, placed them in communal mm. oven outside of the factories. Meal was done when they got off work. Wow. That's how they cooked and, and kept the family going while they were working. And then those developed into slow cookers. Wow. So maybe we underestimated the Dutch oven. It was Clayton, right? No, I, throw, I cast off yeah. the Dutch oven. But he, he did be smart to the good name. <laughs> he did. Not to throw him under the bus. He said ugly things about the Dutch oven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, great show. It's yeah. the campfire cooking guy. 
Yeah. He talk, he talks about his Dutch oven okay. and cooking with it, and it throws me off because it's kind of funny to hear him talk. <laughs> so that's where I was okay with the cast off being that early. All right. Very good. But I enjoyed it. Uh, good luck to the Lady Hornets and the Hornets Thursday and Friday in the district championship, and we're looking forward to the regional draw. Yeah, regional draw. So, so just to really run it down, once again, if you're listening to this live, uh, Thursday night, Lady Hornets take on the Lady Bulldogs of Clinton County. From the Hill at 7 will be on the air. H&N as well. Friday night, the Hornets at 7 take on uh, Monroe County from the Hill. And then Friday morning, we'll have the draw for the girls region. It'll either be uh, Sunday or Monday. And then Saturday morning, they'll have the draw for the boys region first round. It'll either be Tuesday or Wednesday. I got all that right? Nailed it. All right. Anything left to say, Coach? No, just thanks to everybody for listening. Appreciate it, Clayton, calling in. Yeah, thanks to Clayton for calling in. Clayton Truder, everybody, check him out. Uh, go buy yourself a – excuse me, I got a little ahead of myself. Follow us on Facebook, at KY Sports Guys on Twitter, and go buy yourself a boatload of KY Sports Guys shirts, as always. Check us out, KY Sports Guys, kysportsguys.com.